Welcome to Strategy Saturday. I'm Charles Curlo, and today we're going to be discussing how to minimize risk when buying your first rental property. Have you always wanted to invest in real estate, but didn't have the time, didn't know where to find the deals, couldn't get the funding, and didn't want tenants calling you? Since 2006, I've been buying income-producing properties in great locations that provide us with consistent passive income while we wait for appreciation in the future and take advantage of tax laws while we're waiting. And unlike your financial advisor, we invest alongside our investors in every property we purchase. Check out investwithharborside.com. If you like the idea of investing in real estate, if you like the idea of passive income, partner with us at investwithharborside.com. That's investwithharborside.com. So I'm going to cover a dozen or so different ways that will help you mitigate risk when investing into your first rental property. If this is your first real estate investment, you probably will not be doing all of these, but the more of these strategies that you instill into your real estate investing career, the less risk you will carry, ensuring that your real estate portfolio is profitable and growing for many years to come. Just as a side note, this episode is specifically for direct and active real estate investing. So first off, underwriting and purchasing. The number one rule for successful rental property investing is invest for cash flow, not appreciation. Make sure your property cash flows, not just to cover your debt service, taxes, and insurance, but your expenses and then also the funding of your reserves. Utilize conservative expense estimates. Uh, mistakes I commonly see from new investors is that they count on future appreciation of rents, which does not occur every year. Yes, over a five or 10 year period, rents will increase but maybe not in the next two to three years, while your expenses will surely increase. When underwriting many expenses will be estimates. Make sure to check, verify your numbers as best you can. This includes vacancies, maintenance, repairs, property management fees, property taxes, insurance, bookkeeping, and accounting. Focus on buy and hold multifamily rentals. The longer you own property, the less risky it is. It is much safer than flipping properties or purchasing for appreciation. Combine this with multifamily rentals and you have dramatically minimized your risk. Multifamily rental properties are less risky than single family homes. The more units you have, the more income streams you have, and they don't all need to be apartments either. The second rental property I bought in 2008 was a three unit building with two garages behind it. I had five income streams from that property. The more income streams it has, the longer you own it, the lower the risk, and the less volatility in case one of the income streams temporarily dries up from being vacant or if the tenant is not paying. Look for below market rents. Now don't immediately think that once you purchase a fourplex and each unit's paying $400 a month uh, below rent, you're going to resign leases with all tenants at market rate. It won't happen. However, your property now has a lot of potential for rent increases into the future, usually after you have done some upgrades. Now these upgrades can be done uh, unit by unit as tenants move out with each upgraded unit, you can test the appetite of the renters in that market. It might make sense to not fully upgrade all the units, but just make some upgrades in order to discover the best return for you along the way and the best value for the tenant. The point being, buying properties with undervalued rents lowers your overall risk as a landlord. Next is buy C plus to B properties in C plus to B areas. Now avoid low end rentals. No D or C apartments, C minus apartments is really what I'm getting at here. These properties look great on paper. In reality, 
these properties require nonstop maintenance, daily maintenance. You have to be there all the time, even on small properties. There's always issues. I recently read a report that the average C-class tenant has less than $500 in savings. If they lose a job for even one week, their rent is not getting paid on time, if you're lucky. Uh, once these tenants get behind, there is no way for them ever to, ca to catch up. And avoid these properties and areas altogether, unless you are partnering with a seasoned investor who has successfully invested in this class of property. Make a down payment of no less than 20%, preferably 25%. If you are house hacking with a low down payment, this is not possible, but the larger your down payment, the lower the loan to value, the less risky the investment is. So the lower the monthly mortgage payment, in addition to the fact that a property with a 50% loan to value is much easier to refinance than a property with an 85% loan to value. So if you have short-term debt, um, you have something like a variable interest rate, and uh, the value, the market kind of uh, interest rates are starting to edge up, and you want to get something that's fixed, um, and your property value has come down, and you have that 85% loan to value prior to um, the decrease, the pullback, you might not be able to get it refinanced. But if you had 50% loan to value, you probably won't have an issue getting it refinanced, even if that loan to value is now bumping up 60, 70% because the value of your property is coming down in some sort of recession. Long-term fixed debt with your first couple rental properties. Um, you know, Get fixed long-term debt. For a two to four unit property, this could be a 30-year uh, mortgage. Or with a five plus unit property, this could be a 10-year fixed term. Either way, longer term debt that's fixed might be more expensive, but it is lower risk. Short term debt could be uh, become in due during a recession, making it harder to refinance, as we already spoke about. But the problem is the value is going to be lower during these recessions. So people always say, this is my loan to value. And but they don't know, no one knows what the future is going to hold. And that value of that property during a recession is not going to stay the same. So that means that even if you have a 20% or 80% loan to value, 20% of equity, during some sort of recession, um, that property is going to come down in value, which is going to bump up your loan to value on it. And then when you have, and you see it all the time, whenever there's any type of pullback, you'll see a lot of local banks that might say, hey, we were lending 80% uh, loan of value, now it's 75. Or we were doing 75 and it went down to 70. Small things like this, but if that goes 10%, um, you know, goes 80% to 70%, you might be in trouble at that point because they're gonna take the value at it right then at that point when you're refinancing it, uh, not when it was a year ago or three months ago, whenever the property price was higher. So try to acquire debt with a long term and that is longer than your estimated hold time, twice as long to be the safest. Next is whole property in an LLC. Now buying property in an LLC or quit claiming it to an LLC helps separate your rental property from your personal assets. This LLC will never do business, it is just a holding company. That's very important. So whatever LLC you buy the property and make sure it's a new LLC and then make sure it never does never does business, right? It's never gonna be on any of the electric bills. It's never going to be signing leases. It's never going to be doing any type of contracts with any type of uh, handyman or other contractors or vendors. Next is good insurance. You know, speak to other local landlords and see what independent insurance agents they use. Um, when you are getting quotes, make sure they cover the actual replacement value of the property. Different companies will have different thoughts on you know this and the cost to replace a property. But in a higher inflation environment, it's important to check these values on each renewal. And if you think they are low, tell them and they usually will raise it. And the difference is usually very minimal. 
I did this many years back with a property I had, and I thought that the replacement value was off by like 75000 And they changed it, and the new premium was only slightly higher. And so you can kind of, just because what they tell you is uh, what you can only get, if you ask them, um, the agent will go back to the carrier and hopefully, uh, in most cases, be able to change it. Next is purchase a property with only minor renovations required. This is super important. I always see new investors, or not always, but I commonly will see uh, new investors that want to take these huge projects, you know, uh, fully vacated properties um, that have tons of deferred maintenance. You don't want anything to do with that for your first property. You might not even want it for your second property. Um, what you're really looking for is purchase a property with minor renovations required. Buy a property with tenants already in the units paying rent. Uh, even if the property appears turnkey, there will always be some repairs and upgrades once you purchase it. There's always something that's going to be that needs to be fixed. That's something that should be upgraded. And you want to make sure that you're not getting over your head on your first rental property. Once you have been a landlord for a couple of years, you can then start looking for major renovation projects. And it because, uh, it, it's because mainly management of those projects is pretty intensive. And secondly, you don't have the contacts. Once you own a property and you have handyman and contractors over there and vendors and all this kind of stuff, and you start uh, networking with people in the group uh, in, your, in your neighborhood and in your market, and you start getting deals because you're using them on your properties and stuff like that, that's when you want to start doing larger renovation projects. Uh, you don't want to be doing renovation projects, and as I call it, getting yellow page pricing. Um, you want to get deals from people, and doing that, um, you want to have these people that you're getting deals from come out and quote your major renovation project down the road, and then you'll be able to manage it. You have the right people that are giving you a deal uh, do the work. When making renovations or repairs, make sure that they are tenant-proof. And this is more important as the class of the property decreases. For C-class apartments, we would use specific shower surrounds and commercial vinyl towel that would last for 10-plus years. No matter if there's dogs, no matter what, whatever's going on in that apartment, it's going to last. And you want the repairs and upgrades you want to make match the class of the property in the area, which is just for, I mean, that's when you're flipping or renovating any property. You don't want to overbuild. Um, you don't want to over-renovate as well. And usually, if you're flipping a property, you're going to put in better finishes because it's someone that's owning the property uh, compared to a rental property. Rental properties, you really want to make it look nice, but you want it to be durable and you want it to last. Management. Now, reserves uh, with management. So set up a reserve savings account and start off with three plus months of expenses, including mortgage payments in your reserve account, and add to it monthly. There's not an exact correct amount, but the older the property, the more you should be adding to the savings account on a monthly basis. If you know that you have an older furnace and hot water heater that need to be replaced in three years, add additional funds to re the reserve accounts now. Uh, the key is to add to it monthly from all your rentals and use it as a fund you can pull from when re repairs are needed. Next is uh, about renting to tenants. So in-depth tenant screening. This is the most important. You need to check credit reports, criminal reports, um, criminal records, eviction reports, and income. And in the I've been told to call past landlords, but I've never done this. And I hear even gurus saying this, and who knows if they've ever done it, but I've never done it. I mean, you have no idea if you are calling is actually a past landlord, it's their brother-in-law, it's their Uncle Jim. Um, you know, credit, criminal, eviction, income, these can be checked correctly and will give you a very accurate picture of the applicant. Utilize a salt lease that has been reviewed by an attorney. Now, I'm not saying that every lease 
that you write for every tenant has to be reviewed by an attorney. This is something where initially when you're doing it um, and use the attorney that you bought your property with, they're probably a real estate um, attorney uh, slash eviction attorney. This is who you want to be using. Um, bring the lease to them. Maybe they'll do a deal. Maybe they'll do it for free for you because you, they took care of your closing. Have them review a lease. Maybe they have one for you uh, that they can use. Um, and they're going to be the ones that are most likely going to be representing you uh, when you have an eviction. So that's probably something too that they want to use a lease that's going to make it their job easier as well. Or they also know everything about it. If they give you a lease, and when they're in court and uh, they're talking, they know exactly what's on the bottom of page seven is what's going to uh, negate this uh, tenant's uh, claim. Automate your rent collection. There are many portals online, some free and some are for a small fee, that will help you automate rent collection. This will make your job much easier. Um, back in 2012, when I stopped ma self-managing all my properties and I brought in property management, my, my properties were, I had this running really well. The most time-consuming thing I had for the whole month was collecting rent. And this is back before we had a lot of portals and all this kind of stuff. And I was you know, picking up cash and mainly all cash, which is a mistake. You should be getting money orders if people pay like that. But anyway, the thing that was that you, if I had automated this, it would have saved so much time. And it was something that made my life so much easier by having a third-party manager. But if you automate it with a portal from the beginning, um, once your property starts getting kind of on autopilot, um, this is really what's going to smooth it out. And then you don't have to waste time um, worrying about people mailing them in, having to go there face-to-face, -face, and the time you're going to waste on making sure they're home and all this kind of stuff. Get a portal, have them do it online, and uh, whatever fee that they charge you, it's worth it. Uh, lastly is focus on tenant retention. When you become a landlord, you will quickly realize um, who your good tenants are. And they're the ones that you want to retain after their lease is up. And this will increase your income and minimize headaches associated with turnover. Make sure that you quickly respond to all tenant requests and fix all legitimate uh, issues immediately. So I hope you enjoyed. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe, submit comments and potential show topics at globalinvestorspodcast.com. Look forward to two more episodes next week. See you then. Nothing in this episode should be considered specific, personal, or professional advice. Any investment opportunities mentioned on this podcast are limited to accredited investors. Any investments will only be made with proper disclosure, subscription documentation, and are subject to all applicable laws. Please consult an appropriate tax, legal, real estate, financial, or business professional for individualized advice. Opinions of guests are their own. Information is not guaranteed. All investment strategies have the potential for profit or loss. The host is operating on behalf of Syndication Superstars, LLC, exclusively.